not only do the apostles learn to read the Old Testament by reading Old Testament prophets, do you see? But they also learn to read the Old Testament from Jesus himself. When Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he's expounding upon the Old Testament over and over and over again. Welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition, delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Are you in the Orange County or Santa Ana area? We are exploring a church plant, Santa Ana Reformed, with the oversight and accountability of Oceanside URC and Reverend Danny Hyde. If you are interested or you know someone who might be interested in the area, please check out our show notes for a link to sign up for updates. Our Twitter or Instagram at guiltgracepod or Santa Ana URC for the same sign up link or simply email us at santaannareformed at gmail.com. We begin meetings on October 28th at 6.30 p.m. at 4th Street Market in downtown Santa Ana. Now on with the episode. Hey guys, welcome to Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell. Unfortunately today, my other co-host, Nick Fulweiler, he got called into a last minute work meeting. So we have Dr. Ben Glad from Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson with us today. And just to give a quick little background from him, he's the Associate Professor of New Testament. Jackson, he's got a couple books that he's written, uh, one that's coming out or has already come out, The Story Retold, that he wrote with Dr. G.K. Beale, a couple other ones focusing on biblical theology and the, the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So if you want to give yourself a little bit more introduction, who you are, what you're interested in, um, and yeah, anything else. Who I am, that's very existential uh, question. Yeah, I um, I live in uh, J- uh, the Jackson, Mississippi area. I've been at RTS for almost 10 years now. 10 years. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's felt a lot less than that. And before I before I came to, to Jackson, I was a pastor for a couple of years out in California. And before hmm. that, I... I was at Wheaton College where I finished my MA and PhD and then taught for a while. Um, it was it was at Wheaton when I began to think about the relationship between the two testaments. And yeah. I grew up in a dispensational home and uh, I never, never really thought about combining the testaments <laughs> yeah. as, as, as funny as that sounds. But you do. Where you're 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 really taught to not do so, or yeah. if you do so, to to just do it very narrowly. So it really wasn't until I went to Wheaton when I uh, when I was introduced to this whole field, and now it's just it's it's a it's a massive field and it has so many dimensions to it that it's 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 difficult to even wrap your head around it at times. Yeah, that's how I grew up, and I know that's what my uh, co-host Nick is is going through right now. It's the uh, reformed understanding of the the testaments and how they go together and how Christ forms those and is is shown in the Old Testament. So we're we're excited to have you on. Um, yeah, great to be here. Yeah, and 
This is number seven of season two, and this is the SparkNote Seminar. So we want to give you guys um, those who are the top of their field and who thought about this a lot and can bring uh, big academic stuff down to the ground level for your average person in the pew. So let's start off with the first question. Why is the Old Testament still relevant and important today since we have the New Testament with us? Yeah, uh, I can, it's both simple and profound. I mean, uh, I can only address just a, just a few of these, of, of some of these answers because of, because of its complexity. Yeah. And namely, uh, the reason why it's relevant for today is because you can't, you, you want to have a new Testament unless you had an old Testament, right? And the story of the Old Testament is the story of the New Testament. So you can't understand the story of the New Testament unless you understand the story of the Old Testament. And since all of the Old Testament anticipates Christ, uh, well, you need to know that in order to understand him and what he's doing and his identity and his work. And then because we're united to him, you wouldn't even be able to understand your own identity and, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and how his work flows through us. So it really is. Um, the question is, the question almost could be asked like this. How does it, we should assume it completely has bearing on our lives. Yeah. Um, not does it has bearing, but where does it not have bearing on our lives? That's probably a more uh, appropriate question at some level, if you think about it. Yeah, why do you think kind of the Old Testament, if you look at churches today and most of the sermon series that they go through, either maybe topical or, or tends to be New Testament heavy, why do you think they don't pursue the Old Testament as much as they could? Yeah, I think because it's a, for a few reasons, uh, my sense is my sense is that for at least the first reason they don't understand how that old testament text fits into the story of the old testament uh whether you're working in leviticus or in proverbs or wherever uh, most pastors really don't see how that text is tied to the larger story to the wider canonical context if they did, I think they could preach it a lot better. Um, and it's really all not, it, and it really isn't all that difficult. There are a lot of books out there that do that sort of thing. And um, uh, I think we can, I, I think we could make great strides in preaching the Old Testament really well in that regard. So I'd say, yeah, so I'd say just first number one is, is placing it in its Old Testament in canonical context and then two understanding the nature of these texts so a book like proverbs is different from a book like isaiah so one is oracular and one is prophetic and the other one is wisdom literature and understanding um that these are two different genres you're not going to yeah. read them the same way and just learn it you, you you don't have to have a phd in old testament studies here it does not yeah. take a great deal of work to wrap your head around some of these basics, just gaining familiarity with these types of texts will, will go um, 
uh, will really help you understand how to preach them really well and connect them to the New Testament and, and ultimately to the gospel as well. Gotcha. Okay. And, and oh, and then thirdly, thirdly, this is a point that is not often brought out in this yeah. discussion, but is directly tied to what we're doing here. Um, uh, we have the New Testament quotes the old at least 350 times, if not more mm. than that, probably even pushing 400. Um, and it, there are thousands of allusions to the Old Testament. And that's just at a textual level. We haven't even talked about concepts yeah. uh, at a conceptual level. So what you could do then is you could see how New Testament authors cite or allude or conceptualize these Old Testament texts that you're preaching. So let's say you're preaching uh, from Leviticus 16. I've been where I, I was working on Leviticus 16 today. And so that's why it's in my head. Yeah. So um, we were, yeah, we were doing that in class. As I well. keep, I keep, I keep, yeah, I've just been, it's just one of, one of the projects that I'm doing. I, I, I've been thinking about this some more and, um, yeah, so you can go to the new Testament and you can see where or how, not just where, but how these new Testament authors are working with those with those texts from Leviticus, and you can say, "Oh, that's how they're doing it," and mm. and 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 if they're doing it like that, well, my contention, even though I'm probably in the minority here, my contention yeah. is that you should then you should then imitate how they're how they're reading the Old Testament. That 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 not only are New Testament writers reading the Old Testament well, but that take that one step further, and that we should imitate that same mm. reading of the Old Testament. Gotcha. So, I mean, attached to that question, and you brought up a point that I was thinking about as well um, with the apostles and those who wrote the New Testament. And when they do quote the Old Testament, we'll see that in the in the English Bible, even either if it's bolded or if it's quoted, and we have a reference next to it. Um, and so we assume as, as Reformed believers that this is the correct way of interpreting it. Um, why is that? Like, why should we be following how the apostles, how either Mark or, or John, one of the gospel writers, why should we be following how they interpret it? Because it looks different than what the Old Testament says about it as well. So I'm thinking of uh, out of Egypt, I called my son. Um, quoting from Isaiah, why should we be following those or Matthew who quotes this? And he interprets it a way where other people say, this is not the correct interpretation of what Matthew's saying. Or what Isaiah is saying? That's Hosea eleven one, not uh, Isaiah. There in it's it's uh, Hosea. It's the use of Hosea, oh, Hosea eleven yeah. one. And, yeah, the use of Hosea eleven one in Matthew two fifteen. Uh, yeah, very difficult text. Uh, even good evangelical scholars uh, will even condemn Matthew's reading of Hosea. Um, that's a complicated text. The the short of it, and I think Greg Beal's right here. Uh, that even I, I don't think that Matthew is contravening Hosea's use, or I don't think that Matthew is contravening uh, Hosea 11. In fact, if you just read Hosea 11 in its broad and immediate context, you can see that Hosea is not simply, yes, in Hosea 11, 1, atomistically, narrowly, he is talking about Israel's past. Uh, Israel's first exodus. But if you if you look towards the end of the chapter, if you look at the beginning of the book, in fact, if you look all around Hosea 11, 
the prophet Hosea himself anticipated that Israel would would actually would go back into Egypt again and then come out again in a second exodus. And that's it's real throughout the the Old Testament prophetic literature. So not only do you have a first exodus, you then have a second exodus. Uh, and so I think I think Matthew is is indeed following a careful reading of Hosea. And then secondly, um, the other problem with that passage is that it's like, oh, well, this is a text to the nation of Israel and it's placed upon Jesus. Yeah, that's well, what I've heard before. Jesus, right. So it's, so it's a problem on two different levels. Well, the, the answer that, to that second question is, look, Hosea has a robust view of the one and the many. He has cor- There's corporate solidarity throughout the book. In fact, one would be hard-pressed to find uh, an Old Testament book. I, I, I don't mean this literally, but, but Hosea is really into corporate solidarity from chapter one all the way to the end. It is all over the place how one represents the many, whether it's Hosea's family, his kids, his wife, uh, the, the, uh, the northern tribes, the southern tribes, uh, Jacob. I mean, all of, these, all of these figures in the book, they represent the many, and the many represent one. So we, we have the solidarity between the one and the many. Mm. You put both of those pieces together. You put the idea of corporate solidarity on top of Hosea's expectation um, <clears throat> that there will be another exodus in that, in fact, at the end of chapter one or close to the end of chapter one, Hosea himself explicitly says that a leader, <clears throat> that a Rosh, a head, mm. will pull Israel out of bondage and he will lead them out of the second exodus. I think that's uh, 111 I, or one, I can't, the, the verse escapes me, but it's towards the end. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, look, Jesus is true Israel, one in the many. Mm-hmm. That is so clear in the first couple of chapters of, of uh, Matthew. That is virtually everybody agrees now that that's what's going on. And then, so really, it, so really, I think that Matthew is following a very close reading of Hosea. It's, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. He, and this is, this is what many people, and I think even some scholars don't realize that these New Testament apostles, they are imitating the prophets and how the prophets mm-hmm. are reading the Pentateuch. So you have to understand that the Pentateuch was written before the prophets. And so you have these prophets and they're going into the Pentateuch and they're reading the Pentateuch and they're picking up and they're appropriating it typologically in all these different ways. And so by the time the New Testament authors uh, come about, they're imitating the Old Testament prophets. Now, there's some differences between the apostles and the Old Testament prophets, and, and that relates to Jesus and how Jesus is uh, going to give them the, the, the definitive interpretation. And so we have some of those pieces put together. But, but, uh, but what, what, what we're finding is that New Testament scholars, sorry, New Testament writers are imitating the the prophet's hermeneutics. Gotcha. So okay. really, so really, so really what you have to do then, it's a use of the Old Testament in the Old Testament in the New. It's not simply the use of the old and the new. It's the use of the old in the old in the new. You have to understand this wider trajectory. You see, you have to understand the wider trajectory of how the old how the Pentateuch, how Genesis 1 to 3, how that's functioning throughout the Old Testament. And then these New Testament authors are picking up on that close reading, inappropriating. Once you, once you can kind of grasp that, 
and see these connections, it's not that it's not that bad. In fact, this solves so many um, quote unquote problematic texts, which gotcha. really there are not that which really there are not that many in my opinion. So they're they're just picking up the reading that's already there with the prophets and extending that into its fullest meaning in Christ. Right. Christ is going to be the hermeneutical key that unlocks, that brings clarity to really what is already there. That's, that's how I read that. That's, that, that would be my approach, even though, again, um, evangelical schools are going are gonna to disagree with me. Gosh, yeah, because I've heard before, because they're inspired, we can't do what they've done because we're not inspired as New Testament believers. And what you're saying is because they're inspired, because they see this in light of Christ, that is the model that we should be following. Um, right. I mean, it, right. And, 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 and there are very conservative scholars that say that. Very, very conservative. And, and the, the problem is twofold. Number one, they say, well, the New Testament writers are reading the Old Testament incorrectly at times. They, they call it a census planning or reading. I, I don't, I don't think that exists. I'm not, there are times when there's a fuller meaning of Old Testament text, but not to the extent where the Old Testament meaning is completely eradicated, that there is, there is a thread that continues from an Old Testament text all the way into the new. Sometimes that thread is really thick. Sometimes that thread is very thin, but the thread is never se severed. I, I wrote a book with Greg Beal on this issue, and we get into some of these things. And uh, this is where mystery uh, is going to help us out yeah. in, studying, in studying how the uh, New Testament authors read some of these difficult Old Testament texts. And, but I do want to say this, and, and, and before we move on, this is a very important point. Not only do the apostles learn to read the old testament by reading old testament prophets do you see but they also learn to read the old testament from jesus himself when jesus in his earthly ministry he's expounding upon the old testament over and over and over again in other words they ultimately have a jesus hermeneutic they have an old testament hermeneutic that's through the lens of jesus himself and so to, the, so to accuse Paul or Matthew of reading the Old Testament poorly is indirectly accusing Jesus of reading the Old Testament poorly. But you see, those scholars will never throw Jesus, Jesus under the bus, and rightfully oh, yeah. so, and rightfully so. But these are evangelicals saying this, guys who, who hold to uh, inerrancy, but they would, never, they would never do that. Whereas I'm like, you can't, hmm. you can't accuse Paul, and now obviously Paul didn't walk with the Lord throughout his uh, earthly ministry, but the apostles themselves, Peter and Matthew and uh, James and John, uh, I mean, they are using, <clears throat> we, we don't have any, we, we, don't, <laughs> we don't have much of, of James's use yeah. of the old, uh, there are a couple places, but you get my point. Um, yeah. That you, you get my point is that if you accuse Matthew of misreading the Old Testament, where do you think he got that from? He sure. got that from Jesus himself, ultimately. So then you're accusing Jesus of misreading the mm -hmm. Old Testament. And for me, 
I think I think siding with Jesus on how to read the Old Testament is a pretty safe way to go. <laughs> yeah. Does that does that mean does that mean that I'm going to read it precisely how Matthew read the Old Testament? No, I I'll get I'll get things wrong. I'll misconstrue. I'll misconstrue. I'll misunderstand. I'll misapply. It will be imperfect, whereas Matthew mm. is imper. Whereas Matthew is perfect when he's writing scripture. However, I think I can. I think I can learn some things, and I think I can get pretty close to it. Maybe yeah, not with, yeah. with great precision, but I think I can get in the ballpark of what these of what these apostles are doing. Simply because you start to pick up on the patterns, you learn the patterns, you learn the permutations, and how they're reading, and then you take up and do likewise. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's easier to accuse the gospel writers or Paul or um, James of making an error when they interpret versus when Jesus, you don't hear as right. often that Jesus is making an error versus the apostles. Right. And, you know, there's a, and with that is just, there's, there's, we got to, we, we need, we need a humility here. Um, we have to realize that they're reading, they are, they're living 2000 years ago. They understand the old Testament better mm -hmm. than I do. I will never be able to read the old Testament like Paul, as far as the, what his knowledge of the old Testament, Matthew's knowledge of the old Testament, Paul's knowledge, uh, maybe I already said, it, I can't remember, but the apostles, <laughs> they, Peter's yeah. understanding, they are, they know the old Testament better than I do. Even though I have accordance, even though I can search it, even though I try my best and I have cross references and all these commentaries and tools, yeah. and dictionaries at the end of the day, they know it best. They know it better than I do. So who am I to accuse them of, Oh, you're not, you're not reading that Paul. You don't, you don't know what you're essentially saying. You know what you, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'm the one that, that doesn't know. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you talked about the different types of quotes um, from the New Testament of the Old Testament. So is it, there's direct quotations from the Old Testament. What other kinds of allusions or ways of New Testament referencing Old Testament is there? Well, it's on a spectrum. Um, it, it, trying to, so we use, so we use word, <clears throat> so we use words like explicit quotations or partial quotations and <clears throat> strong allusions and subtle allusions and echoes or you know where we we kind of set everything on a on a spectrum because we're just kind of we're trying to come up with terms to describe this idea i yeah i don't think that the new testament writers that they're thinking okay now here's an illusion okay now here's yeah. an echo they're they're writing it out now there are times and of course when they really flag old testament text when they say it is written or moses says or the prophet isaiah says and they make it really explicit yeah um but for the most part when it comes to partial quotations and strong allusions and some of these echo <clears throat> echoes whatever you want to call them there i don't think there's any difference in their minds or Not if there is, it's very, it's very little, even though, even though there's a lot of debate there, I just don't, I just don't think so. So they're not thinking necessarily, I'm going to pick a quote from the Old Testament right here and I'm going to allude to it right here. Um, no, they are. No, they are. Okay, they, they are. are. They are. 
they are. Yeah, no, they know what text they're pointing to. Now, there are times, there are times when they know the Old Testament so well that they just start to speak Old Testament. Mm. Uh, we get that sort of thing when, it, for example, when a person prays, they may, uh, in a, a, a person who has been, who, who has saturated their minds with scripture, you'll notice that those prayers are filled with scripture. And that person may not be aware of the text that they're quoting or whatever. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's just Old Testament language. It's just, or yeah. New Testament language. It's just this language that, that's, that's coming out. Mm. Um, so there are times when we know that a, that a, a gospel writer, whether it's in the gospels or whether it's Paul, we're like, okay, now that's, that's Old Testament language, but he doesn't appear to be drawing attention to a particular text. Okay. Gotcha. It's just, it's just Old Testament language. It, it's Bible language. Yeah. Okay. So that's, you know, grace, grace and peace to you. That's, like that. and that's trying to drive it home for the listeners too. It's, so they're not necessarily thinking I'm writing this brand new thing, but the Old Testament's filtering through as they're writing both direct quotations, allusions, uh, whatever it may be, but they're very explicitly thinking um, the Old Testament's driving what I'm what I'm writing in this New Testament, both in how it's fulfilled in Christ and and what this means right. for us, the believer, and back back right, in the first century. Right. right. They what what the what the apostles are essentially doing is you can't understand their argument or their narratives unless you have a handle on the Old Testament. Got it. Now, I'm not saying you have to have this super robust understanding but they are expecting the readers to have some idea of what the old testament is doing uh in those texts because that's why they're bringing them to bear on jesus or on the church or whatever gotcha um and then i was thinking too with luke 24 towards the end of that gospel when jesus is on the road and and the two disciples or two friends or whoever might, whoever they might be walk and he explains them the law and the prophets and Moses is he giving them hey this is how I want you to describe this is how I want you to preach it what is what do you think Jesus is doing in that text um yes we can look at that from a couple different angles I think first and foremost he's going back and he's justifying his earthly ministry and his death and specifically his death and resurrection there. That's, that's the issue at hand is that they, they, they missed it. They didn't anticipate yeah. his death and resurrection. So he's like, well, you guys are misreading the old Testament. Hmm. And those expressions, the law and the prophets, he's not just thinking there of a couple texts. He's thinking of the whole thing mm -hmm. and he's not, not just prophecies, but typology and, and all these different layers to the Old Testament. All of it anticipates Christ's death and resurrection. So he's looking back and he's saying, oh, you guys missed it. You should have, you should have anticipated this. Why didn't you get it? <laughs> so that would be one. So that would be the main reason why we get it. The other, the other reason why we get it is, um, um, it, it Jesus career, his death and his resurrection uh, helps us go back to read 
not just again, not just a couple texts of the Old Testament, but all of it with greater clarity. You see, as great as Old Testament saints were, and the prophets, they did not understand with with perfect clarity how their words were going to be fulfilled. I think they had, and again, there are degrees here of how much they knew what they said, but it's Jesus himself who is going to unlock their words completely, completely. And so when Jesus, so he's, so he's instructing his disciples, he's like, look, we're going to go, we're, we're going to reread the old Testament here. And so he always sees, he, but he, he, Jesus apparently goes through massive sections there with him. Mm-hmm. with with those two disciples and so he's unlocking he's giving them the full meaning of those old testament texts yeah not that the meaning was completely hidden in the old testament but it was not fully revealed yeah and that was uh maybe like a two to three hour maybe three to four hour trip along that road too so it was a it was a lot of talking you take some snack breaks too <laughs> yeah. um and so that's that leads me into one of the last questions as well with so the relationship between new testament and old testament also gives us a model for how to read the old testament not just quotations of the old testament in the new testament is that is that right mm-hmm. that's what i would argue even though i i think i'm in the minority that's that's what i argue that and so it'd be and maybe this is putting it too strongly, but reading the Old Testament without Christ's finished work in mind is maybe not reading it how the Old Testament itself wants to be read, or is, is that no, taking no, it too strong? No, I would agree with that. I would agree. No, no, I would agree with that because that's Jesus' whole point. Do you see that the you cannot read the Old Testament well without reading it in light of Jesus' work? Hmm. And the, with Jesus... <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the brilliance this is the brilliance of jesus when, when he teaches the jewish leaders too not just his disciples but like john five he's like you study the scriptures and you don't know these things you think that you have eternal life just by studying them don't you realize that they ultimately hmm. point to me or in john that was john five now in john three when he's talking to nicodemus he's like you're mis you're misreading these texts yeah. You need to read them. You need to read them the right way. It's not mm-hmm. just Jesus is not just arguing for another way to read Old Testament text. He's arguing for the way to mm-hmm. read Old Testament text, the way that the way that you're supposed to go back and read them. So what happens is that when the disciples, now the disciples they they don't catch all of this the first time around. John's gospel is explicit. He does things, and sometimes the disciples, uh, John will tell us that that it's not until after uh, Jesus is resurrected that they then figured out, oh, this is the significance of of um, when he when he judges the temple or cleanses the temple mm-hmm. in John two or or so we so we have some of these events where they don't um, completely understand. Uh, how the Old Testament anticipates them as they're unfolding before their eyes, but then later on they can grasp it, which means, which means that they've got to go back and reread the Old Testament. They mm. had been reading it; they had been reading it one way, but Jesus is going to unlock. He's going to have them go back and reread text. We say, say the same thing with the Apostle Paul when, when the resurrected Christ appears before Paul. 
Paul immediately changes. He, he immediately rereads mm. and reconfigures most of the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament, massive chunks at the least. He reconfigures now in light of Christ. Mm. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, yeah. yeah, reorienting or reading around the Old Reor Testament as right, right as New Testament believers. Um, what has Charles, not? No, girlfriend, go I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying. What's the? There are not good books out there that track. Mm. Hey, look at how the Old Testament, or I'm sorry. Hey, look at how these New Testament writers are reading the Old Testament. And now I want you to to do that too, or mm. or or showing showing Christians in the 21st century of how to do that well. In other words, reading reading the Old Testament with the apostles and how we can then do that. There are, dare I say, there is not one book on the market that that does that. Huh. And it's because it's because of of a lot of reasons, honestly, and. <clears throat> it's just unfortunate. So this all sounds very radical, but it really <laughs> yeah. isn't. No, no, that's and I, I I agree with the two. And this this affects when we're in the pews or in the chairs of church, hearing from the Old Testament and and what's brought out from the Old Testament, not just a kind of a moralistic story, but who it's pointing towards. Even if it's um, David pointing towards a better king, or uh, Moses to uh, pointing towards a better prophet, whatever it may be, it's old testament being interpreted in light of christ and how this affects when the pastor's in front of us and preaching to us and and giving us the good news of jesus from the old testament and that not being a wrong interpretation right yeah that's exactly right yeah we got there's a lot of there's um you know i really feel that we've that we've made this too difficult hmm. for the church we uh, we by i mean scholars in this field and commentators we've really made it i think we've made it too difficult mm. and now we have to untangle ourselves and i'm not saying start from scratch but let's just let's just start with the idea of okay let's find patterns in the new testament where we see new testament writers um uh, that are interpreting strands and we can see those patterns emerge then we say okay now let's practice doing that same thing. Hmm. There is not a book on the market that does that. And I've thought about writing it. I just have too hmm. much going on. <laughs> yeah. But that's really, that's really where all of this is going is trying to show people how to do that. And nobody hmm. has, nobody has, that, that book is not out there because, because that's not where the discussion is. Unfortunately, it'll get there. I think it's hmm. going to get there in, in about five to 10 years. I mean, we're starting to see some groundswell in that area, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, we're not there yet. Gotcha. Um, and so beside, besides the book that you have coming out with, um, has it come out or is, there, is, it, is it about to come out with Dr. Beal, the, the, the story, story we told? Uh, no, that came out in February okay. of uh, 2020. So that's been what, six months, so, something um, like that what resources would you point people towards if they want to start learning how to read the Bible better, how to read the old Testament a little bit, even though that specific resource yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. So that one, that one, I, I would probably just recommend that one. 
Okay. Uh, because because we wrote it at a very introductory level, uh, high schoolers use it, college students, seminarians. It's a very, um, it's used in churches, uh, Bible studies. I tried to write that as, as basic as I could and yet still retain some of the integrity of these questions. So we just, we just go through the entire New Testament and all the major features. And we talk all about this and we have chapters devoted to this sort of thing. So yeah, I think that's going to be the best place to find uh, these types of discussions in an, an accessible way. Gotcha. Yeah. And we'll, we'll link that resource in the notes for the podcast. If you guys are, are looking for that and read that. And um, so cool. Yeah, this is, this is super helpful. So even kind of in the basic concise sense, the way we should read the old Testament is the way the apostles and Jesus read the old Testament. Exactly right. And cool. I think, and I think it's, not only can we, but I think we, we really, really mm. need to. I just don't, to, to do anything else is, is, is risky. I, do you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. risky to do anything else. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Is there, is there a way to, uh, to reach you? Is there any resources besides your books, lectures out there, anything that people could be pointed towards to, to get more of Dr. Glad on I mean, the Old Testament, New Testament. I just, just my, uh, I, I, I guess my books and maybe my faculty web, web page <laughs> with some of my, with my other work, or I guess there are sermons. There are some sermons out there, I suppose. I, I, uh, I don't keep track of all those things. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Well, would, super yeah, helpful. sure thing. Sure thing. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been great. This is, I, I enjoy talking about these things and um, I'm glad that you're interested in them. Yeah. If you guys have any questions, if you want to reach out to me and um, I hope this helped you guys understand the relationship, the old Testament, new Testament, and, New Testament authors aren't doing anything new. They're following the Old Testament prophets and, and interpreting it the way we should be interpreting it ourselves. So thank you very much, Dr. Glad, for being on this podcast. And we will see you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, where we bridge the gap to Reformed Theological Truth. Please subscribe to us on your podcast catcher. Review us. Give us five stars. Help others find this podcast through your review. Find us on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow us there, keep up with our updates and who we're interviewing next and a couple quotes that you guys might find really enriching. We hope to see you guys next week.